Welcome back to the Crash Chords Podcast. I'm Matt, a.k.a. Stormageddon. I'm John. And I'm Steve. We still have to come up with nicknames for ourselves. You do. Or um, each other. Any suggestions, please send yeah. it to... Comment in this web zone. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, Be nice. And I guess I shouldn't say welcome back, because maybe you're tuning in for the first time, in which case, welcome in general. But otherwise, if you're returning, then thanks for coming back. I don't know. It's um, very genuine. I, yeah. I, th- I thought so. I think that you guys shouldn't come up with your nicknames, though. Natural nicknames that stick are given by other people. It's why the nickname Slick stuck to Joe Masella. Yeah, we got a Actually, friend. Actually, I, I, I have a friend who was recently married, shout out, Hamansu, who introduced himself to us as He-Man. Like, he introduced... Oh, his and name is Hamansu. Because he was kind of so like, the... he's kind of a scrawny kid. Uh. And he introduced himself to us, like like the Kramer next door kind of thing back in college. And he was just like, hey, I'm Hamansu, but my friends call me He-Man. Well, I was actually... And I noted at the time that that was a little odd. Like, no, we get to do that. You don't get to do that. And then after a week, we're like, yeah, you're a He-Man. Well, I was given the nickname Colonel, because John Sanders, Colonel Sanders, blah, blah, uh-huh. blah, blah, blah. But I owned it in, in junior high, and it, it became a thing. But I was given that nickname... Three separate times, once in junior high, once in high school, and once in college. Like, independent. It naturally became so, my I mean, nickname. You could be again. John, Remember, a.k.a. the Colonel. You have a nickname. Oh, no, yeah, we're not John go Saunders. No, we're not going to go into that. How many times? Never okay, how about we fuse him? How about we use the Colonel? But then Colonel we, we John like Saunders. A, like a different rank, perhaps. Like, uh, Major Saunders. No, no. No. No? Sergeant? No. no. Sergeant? Sergeant? No. I'll keep demoting I'm you. An, I'm an NCL, seriously? <laughs> keep going. <laughs> right? Are you kidding? I mean, I'll granted, going Sergeant down. is probably the most important ranking in, in military experience. All right, fine. You're not cooperating. Private it, Saunders. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he got so demoted. Burn. Um, well, I will defer to John at this point. I will call you by your actual name for Pri- now. Private? I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, it's going to stick now. Oh, God. If you like, if you want us to continue to call him private. Yeah, anyway. Um, John, why don't you tell us what we're doing this week? This week, we are doing uh, sort of a throwback. And if you are an, a reoccurring listener, you know that I have a fond love slash hate relationship with punk. Or at least it used to be love until we started mostly doing this hate, podcast. Hate now, now it's yeah. like, now there's a lot of hate involved with it because then I realized something. I don't know if I still like punk. It's one of those things mm. I did not, wasn't really sure anymore. And after so many weeks of very electronica and synth influenced music, I wanted something that was a little bit different. And avant prog chamber pop. No, not pop. Forget about that. <laughs> I'm so used to saying period. chamber pop. Think about that because we've yeah. had uh, chamber pop bands on before. And then Several, finally actually. we just had genuine chamber, not yeah. pop in, by any stretch. But here I wanted to get something that was – well, I wanted to really screw up the dynamic of the music we were listening to. So indie punk. And, well, I I wanted punk specifically, and as I was scrolling through and trolling through, like I usually do to find the music I bring on the show, I found the Muncie Girls and the album From Kaplan to Bell Size, which is a reference, actually, 
to a uh, 1960s book, The Bell Jar, which I have not, in fact, read. So I do understand it might actually be in circulation in a lot of high schools as, like, common reading. It was, uh, yeah, I read it yeah, in <laughs> yeah. high school. I never read Sylvia Plath, and I never read The Bell Jar. But if this is supposed to be a throwback to that book, I might actually go back and read it. I don't know. I don't know. That's up in the air. But anyway, back to the topic at hand. Yeah, it's a new punk band, only formed in 2012. And they still have that extremely new punk young. band smell. They oh, do. God. If they were teenagers Which is probably in really 2012, <laughs> probably. if they were formed in 2012 and were teenagers back then, it's only been four years, they're probably still well below the the uh, legal drinking age in most areas of the of our country. Eh, perhaps. They, I think they're under 25. Uh, I can't find the exact ages. Frankly, it's really pretty irrelevant. I mean, we did Shawn Mendes after all. Oh, he was true. 16. Yes. So, yeah. Um, I think it's time I retract my spiel last week about how Matt was usually the one who breaks the, the cycle. Bubble. He pops the bubble and brings us back down to earth. Because for whatever Blue Man group uh, last week was, it's, it, it, they're still kind of known as being on the fringe. They're, they're not pop. Now, Muncie Girls is not entirely pop either, but they are probably as close to pop as we've had recently. And if we're being specific, which in this case I think we definitely can be, objectively, yeah, they're indie punk. Um, indie pop punk, and they're not trying to dodge that at all. Uh, let's just go to their website and see how they refer to themselves, because I suppose that's a little bit more on the nose. Uh, this is on their About Us page. Uh, born in punk shows and dive bars to three driven teenagers in 2012, Muncie Girls embodies the classic punk rock story in a modern context. Indie, post-punk, okay. or pop-punk, whatever. Uh, fueled by discontent and anxiety, checkmark, the Exeter trio eloquently addresses modern living as a self-aware young adult. The result is an ambitious and poignant rebellion against social norms that touches on everything from politics to interpersonal relationships. After an impressively prolific start, releasing EPs and splits every year since their formation, Muncie Girls is finally gearing up for the release of their first full length, From Kaplan to Bell Size, which we are already past date, uh, via specialist subject records, Uncle M Music, and Animal Style in 2016. The album's title, as John already explained, is a reference to Sylvia Plath's The Bell Jar and perfectly complements the themes found on the album. Coping, healing, and shedding restraints. Interesting. Musically, the album is a dynamic and emotional exploration of punk and indie rock. From Kaplan to Bell Size has a bouncy catchiness, curious, and is sure to be a hit with fans of Hopalong, Lemuria, Ladderman, and RVIVR. Uh, that that is very weird. I've never heard a band like if you like them, you may like us. <laughs> right, like yeah, right yeah. there and there about us. Um, but one of the defining characteristics of Muncie Girls is their ability to explore outside their immediate influences. There are moments in Learning School and Nervous that resonate with elements of Hot Rod Circuit and Hey Mercedes. Uh, the album's lead single, Gone with the Wind, with its up-tempo playfulness, nods to Superchunk. Ultimately, what sets Muncie Girls apart is bassist and lead vocalist Landa Hecht's unique perspective and uh, its impact on her understated lyricism. Hecht's dry, unembellished writing style is in many ways reminiscent of classic American literature, a trait exceptionally unusual for a punk rock band from Exeter. And I would say that's true, based on what I've heard. Um, it, kind of like they gave their own review there. I mean, yeah, why yeah. even do the podcast? Let's right. just bail right now. Well, let's go. Um, let's get out of here. Um, in fact, it's a little more on point on Bandcamp. It just gives a nice sentence uh, that that pretty much summates, I guess, what I just read. And on Bandcamp, it says that we will be getting uh, on from Kaplan to Bell Size 10 tracks of melancholic indie punk, addressing issues of modern living as a self-aware young adult, touching on everything from politics to interpersonal relationships, and it keeps it... That condensed. I mean, maybe I, I should have just read that. <laughs> maybe. Too late now. It's there. It's there. Um, but it it's one of those things where 
I think it's kind of refreshing, at least on Bandcamp, to get something so on target and to the point when describing a band. And it's important. Mm -hmm. If you want to find a certain kind of music, you should be that honest about your own work, you know, and that's important. I'm also, I'm also hypersensitive to this, though, because I, was, I read a meme recently about uh, one of those silly jokes where it's like, oh, several things that will guarantee that I delete you or unsubscribe you. Things from your band promo email yeah. that will just force me away. So now I'm, like, hypersensitive to all the cliches that you'd be prone to in uh, selling yourself. Sure. Yeah. I hear that. I mean, what what they really should have said is how honest this record is. By the oh. way, we won't be saying that this episode. That's the one time. Yeah, I know. Well, that's... until wrap-ups, because I'm definitely going to be bringing it up. But that's actually... I'll find somewhere in the past where Matt may have been guilty of doing it. Uh, quite a few times. Cut a to of... a super cut here. A lot of episodes don't go through. I don't think they're going to find you. No. But honesty tends to be a major component of punk in general. Just being very much out there and very much uh, on the sleeve when you start spouting your lyrics. Mm -hmm. Being, you know, confrontational a lot of the time. To say the things that would be considered hard truths, quote. Yes, the cold, hard facts of life. Yeah, and, that we... and the sort of things that just go against the mainstream media and mainstream news organizations and what politics are mm -hmm. saying and everything like that. Things that we notice as we age. Yeah. And, you know, you gotta face them eventually. So at least they're saying that they're doing that. I, yeah, no, I don't know. <laughs> that, that, I, I guess that's a good selling point. I mean, I imagine that's the selling point for most of punk. But there's, there's more to it than that. And I guess as we go into our first track here uh, called Learn in School, I should... Probably stress the familiarity of the sound for me. The first, the familiarity of the sound just within the first minute. But without yet being like too hypercritical or anything like that, I think our listeners probably know the relative ages of your hosts truly. <laughs> and as you know, as diverging tastes as we most certainly have, I do feel that all of us are all products of our age bracket to some extent. We're all products of the '90s and of the early 2000s, and some of the more universal genres of music at that time in suburbia, I guess. Was punk-influenced indie rock. Post-punk definitely had a little bit more of an edge, but it was highly accessible, and I do think it was personable at the same time. So the overall sound here, the, the slightly rugged power chords with just a, a touch of amplifier bleed over, the, the crisp kick drum-centric percussion section, the full-bodied no-fuss bass mix. Like, it's just, it's mixed as is, essentially. It's got a little bit of the amplifier, a little bit of the direct, and that's pretty much it. And finally, the no need to be 100% in tune uh, vocalist. All of that just takes me back to that era. And it, it has, there are mixed reactions, I have a result. But for first and foremost, nostalgia. Well, and we get that pretty much within seconds of this track starting. I mean, there's no lead up. It's yeah. literally all of those things and vocals come in right away. They, yeah. they, they hit the ground running, which, I mean, for punk, I, I kind of expect sometimes, you know, usually a, a, a first track will have some kind of setup, but there wasn't here. It's just here we are, let's rock out, and that's what you get. And, I mean, it actually uh, startled me a bit. Not in, like, a scared way, but just, like, I was I was kind of taken aback. Because usually, especially for the last couple of weeks, for sure, we've gotten lead-ups and kind of, like, set-ups and, and Considering drawing, we've had, drawing it out. we've had a lot of experimental music, usually they have to sell you on their aesthetic. Whereas They're, this, you don't need to you're sell just thrown this. right into the deep end. People know what it's all about. They'll yeah. know within the first bar. Well, the very first bar, as far as aesthetic goes, is just heavy strum, heavy mm -hmm. instrumentation of the guitar Fast work. drums. Very fast drums. And here's where uh, I start seeing why I loved punk. I love the drums here. I love 
love complicated, but not overly oppressive type drum work. I mean, it's and not. That's what we're getting here. It's not terribly complicated to my ears at all. I think most of this stuff is very straightforward. It does it does its job, and I think it's meant to sound a little more down to earth. Mm-hmm. Again, I think that's that's best exemplified by the vocalist. I mean, it doesn't sound a hundred percent in tune. I don't think it's. I I think it is warm and. In being down to earth, kind of, she feels like the girl next door, right. and that is a that is a positive for the most part because it makes you feel as if you know there's a relatability. You're getting, you're getting right. a diary entry mm-hmm. as opposed to you know kind of being on your high horse. You know yeah. that that's the way I guess a lot of singers will come across if you're singing anything close to let's say I guess operatic. Yeah. Um, but you know sometimes I want a little operatic, so I don't know. It's still mixed reactions at this point. Um, I find some interesting things that they do within the first uh, few measures or so, like the bass will just replace the power chords, like in the first half of the second phrase of the verse. The guitars come back in right on cue just to complete it. So that was a nice little, you know, they're shuffling it up just a little bit. I also like something about the melody itself. As she says the line, let me just read the first verse here. All the things you didn't learn in school, and why it feels like no one knows the truth. The systems we rely on aren't for you, they're for the lucky fucking few. If you can avoid it, don't go to work. Try and leave your own little mark on this earth. Don't let them belittle your sense of worth. There's nothing you can't learn. Now just melodically, let me, before we get into the content of these lyrics, let me focus in on just like that. Don't let them belittle your sense of worth. There's a nice little thing here that she does where she's mostly uh, singing on like this, the, the one, two, and three. It happened to be on B major chord right here, right? And she sings the, the one, the two, and the three of the major scale. Meanwhile, the bass is actually doubling that in six, seven, and one. So it's like major, minor thirds apart until finally the major third that it settles on. So it's, there, there's just harmonizing really nicely. And this is a nice little melodic motif that persists throughout the rest of the song whenever they're, whenever she's singing a line just like that. Just on those three words, sense of worth. One, two, three, and six, seven, one in the bass. It's a nice little thing that I noticed, and uh, I, I would like more of that. But then again, usually you only get that one motif in a song like this, because in the verses, that's kind of like their core idea. And they keep returning to that every verse. And, and vocally, her the way she uh, delivers the lyrics reminds me of um, a lot of other pop punk bands. Your Patent Pending, Bowling for Soup, even the Dolly Rot, or um, even a little bit of Paramore in the style and presentation of the track, the kind of upbeat nature. Um, that said, I like her voice. I think that... Um, I, I like that there's no faking here or kind of put on kind of sound. This sounds fairly natural. I mean, I don't know her speaking voice, but it feels kind of natural and 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 fits to the framework that's here. You definitely don't don't get the uh, sense that it's like she's trying to perhaps be more in tune. You know, yeah. which this is the fine line that we always walk with, like punk bands is of course the criticism is going to come out that you know out of tune means not good it equates to not good and i don't necessarily believe that i believe the point was always that it's supposed to be just a little bit more on the fringe um there's supposed to be a rawness to it yeah a rawness to it i i guess i guess it just depends on your threshold for that um like i said i think historically speaking from our from our adolescence, we yeah. have a threshold for it. Right. I don't know how far it will go in every single instance on this album, but sure. I still like it just at the outset. I mean, that said, the track as a whole is fairly uniform. It doesn't do anything super astonishing to me. But I like the way it, it there are flourishes, flows, especially though. from the verse into the pre-chorus and chorus mm-hmm. work. Now, this is fairly standardized to have a, a pre-chorus that is kind of low-key versus what the verse and the chorus is actually going to do. But 
what they go into with the lines, there are so many of us and there's so few of them. We're all thinking the same thing. It's just a matter of when. Mm -hmm. That section really does take a step back. You get a much just simpler drum work designed around a very simple chord work for the guitar and bass. Nice. It makes a very clear cut. It gives it a little bit of a preamble for the actual chorus to come. Mm Mm-hmm. But I feel like there's a little bit of a disconnect between the two messages of the pre-chorus and chorus. The idea of there's there's many of us, we're the 99%, that's kind of what I'm, I'm, I'm seeing here. Well, the, the idea of there's so many of us and it's just a matter of when, when you compare it to all my life I've felt left down and that's perhaps why we feel safer underground. It, it, it gives a little bit of of, of uh, insurgency kind of anti-political movement going to it versus I mean, I, I, it's very the, out it's got there. the spirit of punk. Yeah. yeah, I feel like I don't feel like they're they're opposed ideas. I feel like it's just different perspectives. Yeah, but it's weird for them to be so closely linked with that mm. that pre-course course or maybe course one, course two kind of a setup that's going on right here. Because the call to arms are really invigorating and 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 heavy-handed chorus section is about being underground and being away from society in many ways while the part that's in society is actually a lot more tender and a lot more feels a little more heartfelt okay i kind i kind of see your point now i mean the thing is the thing is it's a really subtle point because also my reaction when the chorus began was that it was kind of bland that it had mostly or largely retained the same character as the verse but i agree yes of course it is just a little bit more heavy and in that case yes you do get a bit of a contrast there it was mostly in the drums and this is where i will refute it the drums were actually really good in the chorus and i wanted more of those he went full spider arms on that sort of says. Yeah, I actually noticed that even in, in verse 2, the drums had a lot more pep as well. So yeah, they are, they are expanding. from the chorus. Yeah, yeah, they're expanding little things here and there. But um, uh, here's, here's another reason why I would kind of refute that is because they're kind of going about this in a different route than, I guess, traditional punk. Traditional punk... I guess, as I said earlier, tends to be a little angrier. Like, it's a little harsher. The, There's an aggression the, to it, yeah. The only part here that seems more uh, more aggressive is, I guess, just that line, the systems we rely on aren't for you, they're for the lucky fucking few. Um, so, you know, yeah, curse equates to slightly angrier, but otherwise, the delivery, like, the, the way she speaks, it still sounds like that diary entry that I mentioned. Yeah. And even more so than that, like a detached diary entry. And that's why I think I disagree, because here in this chorus, there's, or the pre-chorus, excuse me, uh, there's so many of us, there's so few of them we're all thinking the same thing it's just a matter of when like this is the part that sounds a little bit beaten down and if the whole point is the detached diary entry then that's kind of the focus it's not really about like what you should be feeling it's about what you are feeling right and i would agree with steve too i think that the detachment is kind of two different sides of the same coin i feel like there's a connection piece and i think it's the delivery and the inflection and i don't think it's as divorced or not necessarily divorced, because I don't think yeah, you feel divorced. I just I don't I don't see the the separation like you do. I think it's, that there it's are the message pairing that really starts to disconnect the two ideas for me. Because I like the messages. Right. I just the music seems to be at odds with what the message is actually trying to say. I feel like that's the a back and forth. separate problem, maybe. But I'm, when you come in at something like this that is self-proclaimed to be you know, counterculture and punk at its core. Yeah. yeah, you gotta. You still have to look at it from that aspect too. Sure. And, and I feel it's like the this same. Is... It's the same character, the kind of tr- downtrodden feel that you get in both the pre-chorus and the chorus. The chorus being all my life, I've I felt left down, and that's perhaps why we feel safer underground. Um, 
I, I, you know, I think I can, I can't relate to that directly because it is, you know, political music is not for everyone. And I don't even know if this is like political, like on the nose political. Mm -hmm. It's just like, it's it's, counterculture. Yeah, counter, counterculture. Exactly. And this may be kind of a, a, a subversive critique of counterculture in that counterculture kind of gets a little bit of a kick secretly on being on the fringe. And then once the spotlight is on them, then it's like, oh, whoa, get that off of me. I don't, yeah, I, yeah. That's, not, that's not where I'm in my I element. I what I'm about. I just wanted to say yeah. what I was feeling. He's like, oh, you enjoy being ineffectual. Great. And I think that's a, that's a valid critique. I, um, I just wish there was a little more pep in the music. I'm going to say that at this point. I just wish it was a little bit, you know, I, I would even take, I think, the, the slightly more aggressive musical side of punk over this. And still, I, I stress this is, this is uh Nostalgically speaking, this is kind of up my alley from like where I was maybe 15 years ago. But I think where it concerns relating with the message, you know, that might be a slightly better approach. Maybe uh, I mean, for me personally, I feel like the song was uniform and kind of standard. Like I, it didn't surprise me much. Yeah. But I, again, I I couldn't say I hated it. And true, yeah, because then that would be I, then I'd be going back on myself with the yeah. whole retort that I just provided John a second yeah, ago. Yeah, yeah. I think the focus is the detachment, and yeah. then in that case, this is extremely appropriate. All right, let's uh, go on to track two, "Gone with the Wind." So um, at this point, I'm starting to believe they don't believe in intros because the song kicks into it right again. <laughs> and I'm okay with that. I'm okay. There's with no that spacing though either, which is interesting, and I'll come back to that later. But like, they kick right into the song from the previous, and there's no like. A pausing moment to acknowledge the separation, which is fine. This one sounds different enough. Um, but it was just something that I noticed. I mean, immediately the first thing I noticed with her lyrics here is she's delivering them in kind of a more whiny, sing-songy style. Yep. It reminds me of You're My Chemical Romance or mostly My Chemical Romance because they sang whiny a it's, lot. Uh, it's in the melody itself. And it's, and it's, um, it, it's there's a little lilt there mm-hmm. which feels a little whiny. And also um, the subject matter, might I also, feel like, feels yeah, a little high school That whine is really Really present in the chorus. You can find me under the table. I'm not coming out. I've had too many beers and I've got nothing to be happy about. She's throwing a tantrum at it's this part. It's a pity part. party. Yeah, it really is a pity Which, party. Which, I mean, everyone has a pity party. You know, it's not yeah. uncommon, but it's just it, it presented in this song form, especially in a condensed way because the song is fairly short, just seems very... I don't want to say juvenile, but it does feel like it has a little bit of immaturity to it. I think it's mainly in the melody. It's that lilt to me that feels mostly, you know, that's that's where the wine is coming from. May also have to do with the fact that they're British. Right. They're British. I mean, in other words, we hear the lilt a little bit more so, just being American. Right. You sure. know, so it kind of enhances it. It confuses um, our tiny American minds. Oh. <laughs> um, what isn't confusing? What I actually isn't think confusing? it's a, I actually think it's a little bit adorable well, in sure. this way. Um, it just it feels whiny at the same time. <laughs> Again, depends on your where you're coming from. What I did not like about this track though is the heavy reliance on the power chords with yeah. with the fact that I feel like the drums are even getting a little bit better and a little, a little more, more expressive raw, here this track too. just the heavy heavy power chord strum feel of it is a little bit drowning for everything else. I actually was not a huge fan of the mixing of the vocals. Yeah, she track. sounds yeah. really removed. It's, it's funny that she sounds here by the song, I yeah. feel like. Like the song is clouding her vocals and like we don't get. We'll talk more on this in the next track when we go to track three because I have something to say about vocals there. But here, June, you can't really hear her voice. Like I can't I get could, a sense I of the quality. I couldn't get. I couldn't get these lyrics no. uh, without. Like I wouldn't be able to transcribe them. Whoever yeah. provided them, I appreciate them well, so that we can use that's them. That's punk. Yeah, well, but I mean, that's it's too. no excuse. It's always been a long criticism of, of of mine with with punk. I mean, I just I feel that the, if the lyrics like isn't that the whole point? But we just got out of the last track, being like, well, if you're on the edge of society, if 
you're being all counterculture oriented, then wouldn't like wouldn't don't you want change to happen? Then wouldn't you want to be heard? And yeah. yet they 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 always obscure their vocals by just kind of drowning it in the anger or the the whiny nature of it all. And then you can't hear what they're saying uh, unless you just have a, a natural ear for punk, I guess. Instrumentally, this song has other problems too. I feel like because it's condensed and on the shorter side, the cliches stand out a lot more here. Um, they have your typical pause, sing a line, and then bring a build up with the drums to go back into the chorus. Yep. Now that doesn't actually. Actually, that's not a bad thing. That's not a bad thing. But here it's not really used well. Well, What I'm saying is it's not a bad thing, but it's not necessarily a good thing either. It's just kind of there and it's noticeable because there's not a lot of anything else. I mean, there's also the the song brings in the punk rising drum bridge that Travis Barker made pretty famous for the Blink and they've been doing it before then. The cliches are even there like in the beginning. I mean, in the second phrase, kind of similar to the first track and that they do something different in the second phrase of the first verse. Um, In this case, the power chords are removed and they're replaced by this emphasis on the on beat two and beat four, which yeah. is that emphasis on the upbeat is just classic punk, um, and it remains classic indie punk. It just I feel like the song doesn't deliver much uh, different, if not a, a little more raw from the first track. But beyond it feeling a little more raw, there's no big difference. Well, the track itself is a lot more self doubt oriented than a lot True. of other stuff than I would expect, especially because after the call to arms of track one here we're getting something a little more internalized a lot more internalized i've thought of cutting my hair and moving away but i always change my mind the very next day i thought of packing it in jumping out the window gone with the wind i wonder where i'd go this is existential really for the comparison to track one which was more like you've been taught wrong you have to learn yourself this is a lot of self-doubt that i wasn't expecting i think that existential would really overstate like the plight of teenage (laughs) angst the fair point you know i feel like well that that would it does have in spades there's a lot of angst going on here and again i'm not saying it's still coming from like i'm not saying they're teenagers now i don't think they are i think they're in the early 20s but still it seems to be reflecting that and that was there in the intro also their their yeah. idea behind this this album i think was to kind of be an emotional exploration of punk right i think that this song truly doesn't just doesn't offer much more other than maybe the perspective lyrically than we had already gotten the first track well that it does deliver on the angst it just yeah. doesn't really deliver on the anger associated normally with that angst there's no like calling out and there's not even a whole lot of self-recrimination of anger or anything like that going on here it just feels like that emotion has kind of been removed from otherwise i consider a fairly standard punk track i mean there is definitely more numbness to this this internal dialogue than than anger or aggression personally you can find me under the table i'm not coming out i've had too many beers and i've got nothing to be happy about Uh, party yeah no i mean Uh, when john read that earlier too it's like it it is it does bear repeating though to hammer home the point that this is very internalized this is definitely self self self-inflicted wounds kind of like you're (laughs) you're punishing yourself because you think you're less than yeah and and i get a sense of that i think Emotionally, I get a little more out of the next track. Track three, Respect. Um, for, uh, first of all, to start musically, it, it, it's kind of on the upbeat here, like you had said in the previous yeah, track, too. But, but her vocals are brighter here, and we can actually hear them. Like, she has a good voice. She has a really pretty voice, and it's nice to hear her sing and shine a bit here. But I think that's mostly because the vocals are more staggered here. They're, they're more evenly spaced, and there's a little more breathing room in between each word and each syllable than we got in the previous tracks. I, At think, least in the I think the melody is just a little more creative. So, in other words, you don't hear the same, like, 
the same, you know, rote phrases over and over again. So it's expanding, and also it's a little bit closer to the mic, so it feels like she's a little bit more in touch, maybe, about her herself in this track. It just it doesn't feel quite as distant. It's, a, it's an open... Um, and oh god, I'm gonna say it, honest track. Well, music, <laughs> but it, no, in no, the no, mixing, in the mixing. Mm. I know, I know, I hate myself. Well, it, musically, and speaking of the mixing particularly, like, it, it feels like it's mixed more like a pop song, too. Like, it, yes, exactly. it, it does kind of have, like, and there are pop songs that have kind of a rock edge. Plenty of pop singers do it. So, I get a sense of that, where it feels to have, I mean, the, the, all of the songs so far had had a verse-chorus structure, but here, just uh, tone-wise and, and kind of point of view, and just structurally, it does feel more straight-up pop. Yeah, and even, like, various little things that they do are very pop tricks, like in the pre-chorus, the vocals sound a little bit doubled, um, plus they add just a little bit more attitude, uh, given the drums and the guitar. Yeah, a, l- so, a little bit drops out, and then you get not even a bang, but a thumb, the thumb <laughs> yes, yes, yes. of the drums to build it up. Yeah. But the chorus is just heavier guitars in the verses. That's yeah. what it really and it's also feels singing like together. Yeah. Uh, it sounds like doubled. I, we'll get to the lyrics in a minute because the lyrics are actually. The, the, she's got something to say here. But uh, musically, I just want to mention one more part that kind of intrigued me, and that's the rather long interlude, like an instrumental interlude in this track that. Uh, yeah, we haven't really had anything instrumental yet. Like, no solos, no nothing like that. Barely it's, breathing room at all. Yeah, when and I, this is the first time we're about at 2 minutes, 28 seconds. It's just this great moment. We alternate between a measure of, of heavier power chords and then a, a much softer measure that's filled with just a clean bass line. Uh, just the, kind of that slight little hi-hat in the background. Actually, in the first few back and forth, like maybe the first four measures, you know, the, it's it's just the bass. Just the bass kind of just strumming very steadily in eighth notes. And then for the last four measures or something like that, it's it adds the hi-hat and the bass and the hi-hat. Just a little bit more playful before we go back into, I believe, one more uh, chorus on cue. Still, nice moment. I like that she sat there for a while. And it was the first time I noticed the bass in this track. Because it kind of blends into the backdrop with everything else, because it doesn't There's seem to be There's a lot of doubling. Doing... There's a lot of doubling going on yeah, between the bass and the, the guitar. Which I would have liked to see a little more flourishes. I would have liked to hear it a little bit more present, maybe as as a... I guess, in, in this case, less of a bridge between what the drums and the guitar are doing and what the vocal's doing, because in many ways, it gets washed out because it's so close to everything else. And that's usually my complaint, that things don't feel so close. So in this case, they went a little bit too far. There's nothing particularly in the music that really brings out uh, the theme here, which is having respect specifically for women. You weren't taught it. Respect. A sense of value of your equivalence. It has a knock-on effect. Misogyny and tolerated violence. I could turn a blind eye, take the cruel with the kind, and you, you won't listen anyway. But I've always been taught that you have to spare thought, and if you've got something you want to say... For the next few years, you can laugh and joke about your next victim. But when you're all grown up and your daughter cries, you'll be sorry you did this. It's so, and I will agree that the music doesn't necessarily convey a strong theme or, or, or you know, this messaging. But the lyrics do, and we can hear them and understand them. So I get the it. The lyrics convey them because it's, it's not. It like this is not. This is not poetry. This is yeah. just. This, this is still in the diary entry style, and it's very specific about the issues that she has. This is very a very valid point, and I actually kind of prefer this to a lot of other tracks, which would be a little bit, I guess, more hyper-aggressive. This is still kind of like speaking to the, the, the group that you're criticizing, I guess misogynistic men, right, and kind of 
I guess extending just the slightest olive branch, being like, how would you feel if this was someone you cared about? Right, which is like, and I get, there are two sides to, to this coin. You could be more aggressive because, it, you know, being in that position, it's only frustrating, I'm mm -hmm. sure, and aggravating. But on the other side, you know, also doing it this way and kind of ruling with logic, which, as we know, doesn't always work in these situations anyway. But I like, I just like the flow of the song and the structure of the lyrics. And you can relate. You... I know you said before in jest that it's an honest track, but in reality it is. She's speaking from a place where she has experience. She's a woman who experienced this personally, I'm sure, and has seen her friends do the same. And so she's speaking from a place where it actually has meaning, and that's why I think Lyra's structured this way and having this kind of impact, I kind of, you know, I, I related to and understood. Not necessarily specifically related, but I at least heard what she was saying and could understand. I just... And here's, here's something that I think is just probably more of a personal critique than anything else. It's doing the same thing that Trek 2 did, which was remove the anger that is very pervasive in these sorts of messages and these sorts of tracks. But in this case, I feel like there's something to be angry about. Sure. I mean, you're talking about not a good topic and sure. a topic that you can be righteously angry for. So I would have not been against that showing up here. It feels like not apathy or anything like that, but it's a clear argument, a, a colder argument than I really would want for something of this nature. But once again, it's not like this is not a pulpit. This is a diary entry style. It's from I personal perspective. She's um, not an advocate. But, like she continues. No, 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 she no, 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 continues. No, no. no you're take you said the word personal perspective, and I would say personal is where emotions come from like wh where is that where is that investment i'm just not quite feeling in my in my experience this has been i'll repeat this it's been my issue with a lot of punk music is i believe they they actually turn away people by i guess letting emotion rule over logic because this is being logical and because it is kind of spoken with a bit of apathy. I think it winds up to me being a lot more effective. I agree with Steve. I feel the power more because of the way it's delivered. I hear what you're she, saying. She actually continues, it, and it started again. Another girl has lost her energy. It's so easy to pretend that this doesn't happen in our society. So it's the, the cyclical nature of it. And it started again, another girl has lost her energy because this is probably the effect that this would have on a lot of women as well. You've lost energy, you've lost the will to fight. And she kind of addresses that perspective you know, and how kind of detrimental the, the constant cycle of it is. So it, I feel like she's reflecting that a little bit, and I believe more empathy results. It's, I don't know. There's just that finalized disconnect between the idea of what's going on and the actual message and its delivery. I just, well, if you're I gonna just don't one, agree. If you're I'm gonna just gonna get on the one board agreement there. with me, it's the music. And it's just that I feel that most of this, even given that this is a track where the lyrics do actually come across, she sounds, mm -hmm. she sounds clearer. Given all that, I'm still inclined, because I focus on music so heavily, to tune out this, because there's just not enough variety there. Mm -hmm. I start tuning in in that interlude when there's no lyrics. And that's not good considering no. what she has to say. Well, because of so course I, this song I, is about the lyrics. You know, I feel this would have been like, I, I, I'm i not gonna, you know, just suggest alternative, you know, ways to write the song, but uh, certainly I would have I would have taken it down a peg. I would have, you know, made it something more post-rock oriented, something more ambient, something to bring out, I suppose, the, the, the deep-seated um, 
hurt behind how she's feeling. Sure. Maybe and that's I just where my don't get that is. in the music at all. Because of the lack of anger, I guess I don't feel like any emotion has replaced it, and I still, I kind of needed that for this topic. Yeah. All right. So, um... Once again, we come around to agree, but <laughs> I and guess from through very different, different angles, different, angles, different ways. All right, track four, Balloon. We have an intro, yay! Oh, oh don't, no. A little bit. A little bit. A little bit. So it, it's brief, but from the start with Balloon, what I like about it it's is It's the that hook, actually. It still yeah. begins with the hook, but just so happens that the hook is instrumental. Yeah, and, and the pacing of this song is immediately slower from everything we'd gotten before. It's not, you know, a slow song by, by nature, but it's definitely slowed down more of the kind of lighter, kind of uh, uh, breathier punk, I guess. Yeah, I was trying to think of things that I could compare to this, because suddenly it sounded so much more 80s to me. It like, did. it has a, the guitars have this tinny, twangy thingy. <laughs> I don't know how to describe Super it. Super technical, uh, I appreciate it. I, it almost reminds me like a little bit of The Cure, in a way. Uh, it, it's, it's hard to pinpoint 100%, but certainly brings me back to an aesthetic that is just a little bit different on this album. So I had been kind of thinking 90s, early 2000s in my head, um, but then suddenly now I'm back to like the 80s. And just in that one element alone. Um, and just to, to prove that, you know, these little sometimes simple tricks really do have an effect on me. I really liked the hook. I genuinely yeah. did. I liked this whole E major to C sharp minor. Minor. The C sharp minor comes in on the on the the end of the fourth beat, and that whole like relative major uh, relative minor thing, major relative minor. It just it feels like it's dwelling a little bit. And finally here, at least I feel that in the music, it's still kind of upbeat, but at least they have that consistent uh, motif of having things come in on the four and the end of the four. Uh, this is despite the things in this in this track that actually do bother me. Um, the verse. Here's the thing. The verse probably is the most pared-down verse we've had. And considering what I said about the last track, I guess this has two effects. On one hand, this is probably the overall instrumentation of a of a core verse in, in this track, on, on this album, is probably the most effective so far because it is in such stark contrast. It's a lot more pared-down. I mean, seriously, the bass and the guitar are doubled, um, and they're just playing eighth notes. Just eighth notes, up the wazoo. Just one and two and three and four and and the only variation in here uh, a little bit later is that the drums throw in just little accent marks once again on the the end of the fourth beat a la one and two and three and four and and two and three and four and it's kind of a nice little pickup there but that's the only thing that's the only thing like rhythmically I have that one thing to focus on despite the fact that it's more pared down it's just I'm so I'm so mixed about the effect this track is having on me and I hear that I mean you know it's impossible to not notice that about it but for me like the lyrics here are what carry me and it's the delivery again we're getting a more focused version of her vocals so i can actually understand and enjoy it and it's the pacing of her vocals here that are really great she spaces words in a certain way to go with that rhythm you were talking about and i really enjoy that because she does it several times in in repeated verses and i just it gives it a kind of personality that up until this point her lyrics fell a little short of personality. I, I like her vocals. I think that she's a good singer. I just, you know, it was, it was lacking a specific character that really brought it out. But here I'm hearing kind of more of a personality well, in the delivery. Well, and yet, ironically enough, I find myself focusing more on the music here. Despite mm. the fact that I guess from a technical standpoint, I'm critical of the music. I believe it could be doing so much more. But in contrast to the rest of the album, I like the fact that it's a little more pared down and a little moodier. I know that's like six one half dozen the other, but like even by the time the pre-chorus comes, I'm mostly focused on the instruments, like the uh, the one minute mark. It's only just the bass and the hi hat, but eh, that brings it out. That brings something out to me. And I wish the vocals had done a little more. 
I think that the vocals, though, were perfect where they were. They were the breath blowing along the balloon of this really <laughs> kind of... It's almost whimsical, the way everything just revolves around the rhythm, revolves around the drums themselves, because they don't just stay so steady. They do have a little bit of a All right, you may be of on... a wandering nature to what they're doing. They're not changing up the actual rhythm, but the beat progression of what the drums are doing does get a little bit sporadic and starts flushing itself out without actually changing from that beat. All right, well, I'll, speaks... I'll, I'll pull back and I'll say this is this is definitely, a this is not like an objective, tr this is the subjective. You're going to be focused on one thing to, if that's the thing that you that you prefer. Right. So this is not the kind of thing where I, I don't think it's a direct fault of, the, of, of theirs necessarily. Um, but the way it pairs up, it, it feels like it's speaking directly from the lyrics through the vocals into the music itself. I like the way everything meshes together here. I don't think it's particularly high-end or, or really like, we're not going boards of Canada <laughs> level of texture going on right here. Yeah. Even when they were nearly silent, there was a lot going it's, on it's with what they It's punk texture. Do. It's <laughs> punk texture, but it's actually pretty solid use of texture here, and we're getting a very Once again, punk only in texture. comparison to the previous tracks. It's as different <clears throat> as we've had. Um, I would rather, I guess, focus on the lyrics here, because this is... Yeah, all right. This is the more inward side. You know, mm -hmm. we had our, our little social commentary earlier, and here it's it's. Well, it seems well, let's to let, do that. Let's let the lyrics speak for themselves. I was on the other side, trying to sort myself out. You were always getting high, running away from your self-doubt. Did you think things would be different or stay the same? Did you think things would be different or stay the same? Maybe it'll happen someday. Maybe it'll happen soon. All the sun will take away the gray, and you'll float away like a little red balloon. I mean, I, I like the poetry of the lyrics here, and I think that we've, we've got an interesting pattern. It's the first pattern I've noticed in the album is one track tends to be outward and kind of about society or about, you know, the life in general. And then the next track is internalized. You know, one was outward, two was inward, we were, three we, was outward. We were all told this ahead of time, but it's not like it's hard to, you know, figure out for yourself. But it's an interesting pattern to follow, and I feel like on this song, because I could hear the lyrics so clearly and because I enjoyed them, especially the pacing of them, I didn't have the same problems you did. I understand you're conflicted and you're not like naysaying or in favor at this point. But for me... Oh, it may be my favorite track. I don't know yet. <laughs> right. But for me, personally, I think I dove in deeper with this and got more engaged just because of everything this song offered. I, I don't think at this point I need to restate everything we've just said. I think just this song as it was, it's more engaging for me. I think she ties some things together. I mean, this is kind of conjecture in my part, but it'd be interesting if there was actually like the the, inter, the interpersonal elements are actually related in some way to the social commentary. If, for instance, the people she's dealing with personally, uh, you know, or she has come to some kind of difference of point of view, perhaps. Sure. She continues later on, everyone knows that it's not your fault. Everyone knows but you. Everyone knows that it's not your fault. Everyone knows but you. A lot of guilt here. So it could be, I, she could be talking know. about herself or someone else. It's either directed yeah. at someone or it's internalized. It could be either, which I kind of like yeah. the open-endedness of it. Yeah. Interesting. Um, anyone else have anything else to say about this track? Well, let's move on to track five. Track five, Social Side. Oh, well, if we're going in, extrovert, <laughs> introvert, extrovert, introvert. Here's the, here's the next step. And yeah. right away... This is very similar to the previous track, yet feels much heavier. The, it, the rhythm doesn't seem to seem to have changed. Yeah. The guitar work's a little different. There's an echo filter on the guitar work here, which and, kind of gives it a, a volume. Yeah, and it maintains the 80s flair that mm -hmm. way. Um, I, I really did like the mellower tone of this track. Uh, I think yeah. I... 
Yeah, I, I, d I prefer it. I'm kind of in the same ballpark as the last track here. Like, just the yeah. same exact opinions. I prefer it, despite that it is perhaps objectively a little bit duller, uh, you know, <laughs> but that may bring out the uh, the emotion here. Well, would... If it wasn't for the drums, which although although very colorful and kind of ever-present, they do sound looped. Um, but if it wasn't for that, this would be like shoegaze, you know, like that early 90s. Can remember when we did Yola Tango yeah. back in episode mm -hmm. 127 when we actually kind of reviewed their re-release of yeah. a very early 90s album? Um, which, it, like, it's it's in that vein, and that, that whole genre was, like, designed literally just to be focused on emotion. In this sense, it really has kind of removed the, the punk element completely here. Like, I don't feel that as much. Yeah, I mean, I would say, though, the drumming here is kind of super standard comparatively to the previous tracks. There was more color in the other tracks. Here, it does, towards the middle of the track, get plainer. Well, I think the big contrast is really the way the guitar itself sounds. It yeah. sounds tinny, it's echoey, but it lacks the metallic nature that you usually get with a tinny echo. It's a weird, reverbed kind of background area, hmm. which I think is the what, what further diverts it from being just punk. That sure. is something that, you know, it doesn't really show up too often because it's so non-present, even though it's one of the few things that are, in fact, I, present. I think it's just as simple as, like, the further you move away from aggression, then the less punk it will seem. I mean, also... Because we have our own stereotypes of punk. I sure. realize it's a more well, diverse genre, but... But pop punk tends to be less aggressive also yeah. as a whole. It did seem that as people start to focus on the more mellower sides of punk, we uh, just just so happen to start calling them other genres. So, you know, I, there's I that. There's I that. suppose. I mean, for me also, I think what makes this song feel kind of more post-rock or pop rock is... The, the way the lyrics are kind of delivered in a storytelling kind of nature here, there are minor differences between verse and chorus. It's still a verse-chorus structure, but it's even enough that it just feels like her telling a story, which I really like. It was it, well, it helped me engage the mellow tone again in a different way than the previous track. It's a very short track. It's 2 minutes, yeah. 36 seconds, and, and it kind of can just go by in the blink of an eye. It's actually where you, you made an interesting point, Matt, in that this... This is not an album so far that you could really take piecemeal. Like, can't just listen to a track because, and I, I feel this is true, especially in this instance, because this song in particular is almost so formless that yeah. if taken by itself, it would be functionless. But in context of the rest, considering that we already have the, the, the theme that has built, like, it makes a lot of sense. And if you listen to the lyrics, um, I think it makes more sense. I'm waking up, I'm energized. When you look up, you'll see my social side. My loneliness is in remission, the only plan to ever come to fruition. My loneliness is in remission. They've never shut since I opened my eyes. I think I grew up when I had to compromise. My loneliness is in remission, the only plan to ever come to fruition. To my sister, you've always been there. When I was 13, I lost all my friends and you bleached half my hair. To my brother, you taught me guitar. You know I'd start a band with you if you didn't live so far. Just these stray little bits of, like, you know, frayed connections. Yeah. And interesting that it starts. I mean, the whole track title is Social Side. You'll see my social side. We were we were talking about this, like, back and forth between introvert, extrovert. And I found this interesting because this is almost like coming to terms with becoming an omnivert. Being both. Like, and having not being sure my loneliness is in remission. So now, of course, maybe that's a result of actually being in a band. I'm not sure. 100%. And now it results in inevitably frayed social ties. I mean, being in a band and being an omnivert would be difficult because, of course, when you're in a band, having the extrovert side would be super easy. But if, yeah. you be, if you're feeling introverted, then it's going to make performing and meeting 
uh, fans of your music very difficult. And right. so I imagine this is kind of a struggle of that, but in a more stream of conscience kind of way. But the problem with extroverts is also that they, you know, tend to they they tend to spread themselves too thin. Sure. And in doing so, you know, that's like my loneliness is in. I grew up when I had to compromise. Yeah. And that that. It's a powerful... The necessary dis- frayed social tie? I think it's a Ugh. powerful delivery of the lyrics. I like the way this is kind of structured. Well, it's it's also the vocals themselves feel a lot more emotional than they have so far on this album. It, it, they lack a lot of the More by comparison, apathy. sure. Well, there's a little bit of a, a hitch in her throat that I hear. Sure. They sound, it's the same level of sweetness, but now Miss Hecht has a little bit of thickness to them that just seem to be lacking in a lot of the other tracks. It feels... It feels a lot less devoid of the emotions that we were seeing removed in the previous ideas, the previous iterations of, quote, punk in the first four tracks. So it's it's a new slant. It feels like it's even further diverted from punk. They keep going a little bit more and a little bit more away in ways that I'm not really used to. Yeah. But I like it. I like it a lot. Well, yeah. I that mean, and it feels more unique than the standard fare because sure. it's it's not even fe- like they've expanded upon punk in this situation, but they've really cut off a lot of the, the rainiest stuff that they didn't feel would add something to the table. And... I appreciate that. It's it's almost like stepping back in a genre. I mean, in some ways, so it's a, it's a little more of a unique idea in that respect. I mean, at this point, I think I like the two back to back mellower tracks. I think they do that better than the well. The I've already fa- got fast pace. It's not even. I've got three in a row. Respect oh, for yeah, as yeah. much as I've complained about it, I really enjoy right. that track for both its message and a little bit for its music. But that's what I'm saying is I think this kind of tone shift and, and kind of making it more mellow is to their you know, improvement. I think that it, I found more in that than I did on the earlier tracks of the record. Yeah, I think I, I'm coming to really retract 100% uh, what I had said, like, at the end of the first track and how, like, you know, this could actually use a little more of a heavier punk flair. It's just the opposite. Mm-hmm. I think, actually, if this track, w- if this album as a whole was a lot mellower and it, if it went to that side of punk and maybe in doing so, you know, becomes another genre, who cares, then that would really bring out these emotions a lot better. Um, when they're heavier, it's 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 it becomes more generic. So all right, let's see. We get in track six, nervous. So this song also is slow paced in the beginning. You know, we we still kind of have that mellower feel. I'm admitting now at this point, after our third track, in that mellowness, I want something a little different in the mellowness. It just being mellow isn't enough anymore. Ah, uh, so you just in the course of one track, you've already kind of. Well, like, I think what it is is that this mellowness just doesn't seem that different for me than well, I track five. I agree that, like, yeah, it is duller, and that's the problem. I just, that's the side of them I prefer. That's because it's also directly drawing upon social side. It's almost, almost exactly the same, it feels, except for the really heavy, yeah, yeah, the really heavy beat. You could almost miss the transition from one to the next, because they don't actually have a transition. They go straight into nervous. The guitar tends to even take a further step into the background, but what oh, does I actually show thought the, up? I actually thought the guitar was more colorful here. That was actually In the something... verses, no. In the verses, it's so far back, it's hard to hear it, but there's a wail mm. in the little little bits that show up in between words in the verses, the little bits that show up in the chorus itself. There's a there's a pitch bend to it that is really interesting, and I wanted to be per- more pervasive. They did include this little idea as the verses go along, but it's so background, it's hard to really feel how it's meshing up with anything else that I I, I want it there. I want it in my ears because it, it was the first time I felt 
the guitar was actually getting emotional on these fairly emotional, emotionless. It's hard to tell. They're they're devoid, but emotional. <laughs> it's it's gray gray area. I like it, but. I wanted them to become more invested with their guitar work and their drum work and everything like that. And well, it's I just... think that's more of a general commentary yeah. on the album. All right, let's go to the, the the elephant of the room here of this track, the vocals. Um, yeah. All right, so I said in the beginning, yeah, there's going to be a little bit of a not-quite-in-tune nature, you know, that, that comes with the territory of punk. But here, they're just a little too out of tune for my taste. I mean, even if they're in tune... They're just not a hundred percent there. There is there is a uh, something about this track where it, I, I can't quite tell if that's e- even a hundred percent intentional. I'm sure it is. I'm sure it is. But and what a strange. I mean, it, the track is called Nervous. Maybe that's the idea. Being nervous, you know, you self doubt, you know, manifests itself, and thus, you know, in portraying, in trying to conf- convey your most inner feelings, it doesn't quite make it a hundred percent of the way there. And her artistic choice is to use not being in tune to do that. It's just. I don't know if this this is the kind of thing that I think would turn off a lot of listeners, especially those who are on the fringe or not, you know, not 100% in, into the punk realm. I mean, again, for me, it's I like her voice a lot and I want to hear it. And here it gets a little muddied again. And it's especially just, in the course. Yeah. And I just I, I we've now seen two very specific singing styles from her and I have a preference for one. So when she goes back to the other. You lose me a little bit. It's not even singing style so much as mixing because stuff that shows up in here, like the punctuation in the hook, I don't know what style she could have used to really overpower that without really changing the mixing level of what's going well, on right Well, actually, there. here's a little theory. I did mention earlier, all right, her vocals sound a little bit out of tune. Well, that in itself... I don't think that alone is anything bad at all, especially considering like some of the more experimental things we've been doing lately. I like when stuff is not just a hundred percent of the way there. Sometimes when you get out of tune, you get dissonance, and that is really that is really nice. I think my my initial reaction when I first heard this, and as I'm kind of letting myself experience her melody, was like, all right, this is this is different. This seems like a very specific artistic choice. I think the reason it doesn't feel a hundred percent of the way there, like enjoyment wise given the entire melody and given the entire song to me, is because uh, in mixing, well, or actually just in composition, the instruments themselves don't really seem to be reflecting that. Like, they don't really, like, they feel like if you if you took away her, her melody, or took away her vocals, you'd still have just a plain song. You'd have, you'd have or well, you wouldn't have a song, you'd have a piece then, because no vocals. But still, you'd have a pretty basic pop structure. Right, and then you overlay her vocals, and there's this just slightly tortured element to it. And I feel like if the instruments were reflecting that, then you could create some really interesting, like chordal dissonances between, let's say, what the guitar is doing or what she's doing. But right. instead, they sound consonant, she sounds against. I'm again, I'm sure it's a hundred percent artistic vision. I just, it, it it made something seem off there. And you know, it didn't like follow through with anything that had existed earlier in the track. We didn't have any like like foreshadowing of this kind of shift. So, yeah, I'm just left with a few questions. No, and I and I think that's a really great way of putting it actually. That's kind of um vocalizing kind of what we're all experiencing in different ways with this album. Yeah, and and I mean even more specifically, I think it's because this album shows such a, a personal side. My only problem with it is that sometimes it, it it it's a little bit shallow in that department. My my opinion would be, all right, go further with it. That would probably enhance most everything that's going on here. Like the poetry even in this track is something that I can only sympathize with, but given the content, I want to empathize. But I need the music to do that for me and the music is just at times too formulaic. And yeah, just uh, 
questions, lingering questions. Anyone, anyone I'm gonna just read one stanza of this because I feel like we're not giving the lyrics here their proper due. Um, the draft is called Nervous, of course, and it goes, Oh, it's a nervous time. But you wouldn't know because you've stayed inside. Would you believe that you can't hear a sound? The kids aren't registered in their hometowns. It would have taken some time, but I think they would have conceded. You wouldn't look them in the eye. You just left after you took what you needed. Oh, it's a nervous time. Uh, where do you go if you lose your mind? Because now there's nearly nothing left that belongs to us. We all, we know that you are still fighting for our trust. A lot of pent-up stuff here. I just don't, I don't we, get it. You don't get a sense of that from the music, yeah. So let's go on to track seven. Guess mark four. So I'm starting to, at this point, struggle with the stuff that Steve was just talking about. You know, I only felt it a little and nervous, but at this point now, I'm struggling to find differences from track to track. I think... The album as a whole is starting to blend together for me. And it's a bummer because, again, I'm kind of in the same place Steve is as far as how I feel about this record. There's definitely something here. It's just, unfortunately, the formulaic nature of a lot of the instrumentation is drowning out the good. See, there's yes and no. Because I did find that this track introduced some some things. But I do think, like in a general sense, you're right because like that, that problem, you become more hypersensitive to it as the album progresses. Sure. So then you, you start straining a little more but a couple things did leap out to me like i really enjoyed you know parts deeper in this track maybe in the beginning it was just kind of i could just sit back and enjoy it in a general sense but um later on when the slow part the slow kind of prettier part begins after like the second chorus that was a little more up my alley because this is another one of those slow instrumentals like the drums are taking their time they're very slow they're very sparse again whenever they move in this direction and take it down a notch this is more effective to me even the vocals here are a little more impactful because they're just they're more removed um they or rather they feel that way given the sparser music yeah, I don't. I like. I don't want to say that I didn't like the track as a whole. I agree that that kind of prettier, dreamy part had had an impact. It'd be hard not to. It's just I feel like on a three-minute song, when you have to wait to a minute and forty-five to feel something, yeah. and then it ends shortly after that, it's like, well, okay, great. But what is, is what is that in the context and the grand scheme? But and that's the shame because this song's all about basically it's it's a suicide note in many ways, or at least it's alluding to that. Topic itself, right. which is what I believe that instrumental served to kind of be a little bit of a like an afterthought, like a, a contemplation right. of the pretty serious lyrics that were getting up until that point. Um, I think the world will find my body at home. Girl, twenty-one, found dead all alone. Three days later, on my kitchen floor, oven still on. Guess Mark Four. Mm, uh, okay. Pick yeah. up the phone. I'm calling you now. I couldn't lie. I wouldn't know how. That was a lie. <laughs> I do it all of the time. Everyone says that it's too fast. Everyone says that it's too slow. I'll tell you, I'll tell you, if you want to know. Um, it's pretty powerful lyrics, considering. I just, I feel like I don't get that impact from the music. Even with the, the kind of slower part that you mentioned, Steve, uh, the lyrics leading up to it, I feel like I'm glossing over because of the instrumentation just not engaging in me. When it does get spacious, and when you get the, the ending lyrics, the ending repetition... I didn't think it through just like everything I do. I put my thumb out waiting for a lift before I realized it's the hardest place to get to. That imagery right there is yeah. actually really impactful. And I uh, right here I see the, the, the kind of self-boasting American poetry and American writing that they're trying to evoke here. That I, I, I definitely see that. And it, it does have some weight to it, but 
it's hard to get this weight without something musically to change it up. And I'm not saying pontificate here. I'm not saying get preachy either musically or vocally or however. I'm saying just do something that sets that aspect, that part of the song apart from so much of the rest of this album. And that's where that it's not even muddy at this point. It's just dulled out the the edge should be there and i'm just not feeling it well there should be some kind of impact here for especially for this topic there should be some kind of you know effect and there's not it just kind of washes past you and and i feel like that's a waste i feel like there's so much here and to let that just kind of roll over you is a bummer it's i don't want to be too especially considering the content of this track you know i i feel but that's what I'm I, saying I, I, is the content of the content of the track isn't pushed forward by anything, so yeah. I'm losing it, and it's a shame because this is such and I an effective she, track. I believe she's a good lyricist. I think yeah. the, the the band needs to, I guess, bring out these lyrics a little bit better. Um, it's funny not to pop the bubble of like really hard hitting lyrics, but when she says, "I put my thumb out waiting for a lift before I realize it's the hardest place to get to," I just figured she's British, so she's waiting for an elevator. <sighs> it's like no, she's waiting for a lift, like up in her light to lift her yeah, to yeah. a higher place, but it's like. Oh, elevators aren't hard to get to. <laughs> Door opens, it's there. On that note, let's go to track eight. Track eight. I don't want to talk about it. Ooh. Well, so let's not talk the about it. Intro here, I didn't expect, I guess, on the album, but once it happened, I went, oh, of course. It's the person plus guitar intro, you know? Strum, ver- strum version, yes. Strum version. First and one, strum, little happy go luckiness. It's just so Ish. textbook. It's like dun, 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 so dun, dun, many dun, 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 dun. rock albums of any stripe have this. And it's. This, this song really did bring out the British, though. I mean, this. I, I was talking in punk, I yeah. mean, especially the. Since the British were, I guess, at the forefront of the punk scene, sure. especially back in the they 80s. Were. They were. You can um, say that. Specifically, this, uh, like, the, just the, the the accent is, is coming out here. They even threw in the little, oi, oi. Yeah, but, like, then right after that section, we get the line said, then crowd pretty much goes, huzzah, in, like, uniform to respond, a call and response. I don't know. I just, this song. Actually, speaking of the call and response, that that ticked me off a little yeah. bit because it's it felt unnecessary because call and response is great for when you're doing like rousing arena chorus work like trying to get everybody together considering how i centric and how personal this track and this album is there's really no chorus element to it there's no well, it's unity that, it's the, element oh, no it's the oh, oi oh no I, I i disagree with that entirely that is the unity there's several members like singing I, together in that moment i don't no 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 i'm talking about the overall feel of the message this feels like a personal thing right here this is this is her speaking to us from her place and not trying to join with us necessarily because just just the phrase work just the no, choice I, of it no i say this time i'm going to disagree i'm going to defend this track because actually message wise i think this is pretty um I, I know. I realize I'm kind of playing devil's advocate here because musically wise, I, I'm, I'm making it clear that this is not 100% up my alley. But then when you look at the at the message, I think there are things that are being said here that are not being said a lot elsewhere. I mean, I mean that beyond the sense of just simply like, hey, uh, kind of generally political music get involved. This is speaking more specifically to people who are not just not involved, or, or they should be more involved, or but also to people who are maybe afraid of getting involved. It's interesting. She starts out, first of all, I'm always having to defend myself. I never get quite the same benefit of the doubt as the straight white boy sitting on the corner eating a burger playing with his McDonald's toy. And then we have the unity, we have all the OOs and the OIs. I mean, that messaging, um, like, I like the way that's framed. Great. I, I think that's really great. Great, but specifically, further on 
on, she continues, I don't want to talk about it any more than you do. In fact, I want to talk about it less when it's with you. And if you can't get your head around it now, then how is this something I can help you figure out? I wonder why people are more concerned about celeb weight gain than about the way our countries run. And, you know, this, first of all, just that line, I, I don't want to talk about it any more than you do. It actually kind of addresses the fact that people are very scared to, I guess, discuss politics. Yeah. Uh, at least that's the way I took it personally. And again, I think this is this is needed. But its presentation here is less to be inclusive with those that agree with her ideals and more to speak against those that are closed-minded to new ideas. Because the way the phrasing is set up, it's it's almost as if she's berating a conservative mind. Not a necessarily left or yeah. right side. Just a closed-minded individual. Conservative in as will not see the other side. Exactly. So for that, to interject things like the repetition of our country's run and then that kind of response of countries run feels kind of oddball because why is anybody repeating this when she's actually calling out those that refuse to take part in the discussion that refuse to actually address it like that's another one of those oddball things see but i would explain that as structurally as a song this is the reluctant leader you know the one who becomes a leader by speaking how they feel and so that chiming in is more just an effect of her perspective regardless of whether she's looking to include others or not but why doesn't it culminate with that why doesn't that actual aspect of the story exist outside of the very rare refrain last two words repetitions and the oi oi's otherwise it's it, it, it's leaving me not seeing that progression, that 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 that's podium appearing in front of her. I mean, the, the the progression for me is lost on most of the song because of the song itself. I feel like the instrumentation doesn't push the lyrics to the forefront. And while I got some of this from listening to it, I'm getting it clearer from Steve reading it, and that's never a good sign. <laughs> never, yeah. Well, and, and so I think that's my biggest problem is at this point in the album, I'm yeah, starting to lose focus. Instrumentation, I'm just leaving at the door. I'm having right. kind of a separate discussion on, I guess, the the, the point of this song. Um, right. And, and I, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm seeing a lot of good in it. I believe. I agree. Just, yeah. Just speaking to what you mentioned about the like the the last note that it leaves us on, uh, she continues. Um, you're a freak. Never gonna question where you are and where you want to be. You're a freak. Never gonna question where you are and where you want to be. I don't want to talk about it any more than you do. In fact, I want to talk about it less when it's with you. And if you can't get your head around it now, then how is this something I can help you figure out? Uh, this is the discussion we need to be having. Like, you're on that side. I'm on this side. We may not really want to do it, but we need to do it. Otherwise, nothing will ever get done. And we'll never understand each other. Right. I like. I, I personally, I, this is the only area where I will get political. And I will say that uh, the left seems to be getting lefter, and the right just seems to be getting righter. This yeah. is what I'm seeing. This is d- 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 whatever side you're on, That's. I think that's the, the thing that everyone will agree on. Because it seems to be getting a little bit more heated. Maybe it was always heated, sure. But, uh, yeah, in, you know, internet age, it tends to be getting a lot more inflamed. Um, I believe we're we're lacking kind of that those group discussions kind of things that existed like back in the 70s. We sure. used to have like like you know long interviews that were just very very open, you know, and they would have panelists all coming from different points of view. And I don't see this a lot because especially now, you know, with today's news style, that 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 does, it doesn't exist in that long form. Even, I don't think she's necessarily yeah. like criticizing it all on the like the media level, but she's criticizing it on the personal level sure. because we're reflecting what we see and all we see are very very short little snippets of like you get two minutes state your point and it's just this carefully like i am it's all sound by culture it all sound exactly 
And I'm drawn to an old Futurama episode where Nixon runs for a third presidency. But that's a side note because the two people running for presidency are like Jack Johnson and John Jackson. Yeah. And it cuts to one and he says something and it cuts to the other and it's the exact same looking person. He just goes, I agree with my opponent. And that was like the entirety of yeah. it. It was just like, where's where's the actual discourse? Yeah. Especially when as far left as left gets and as far right as right gets, when they actually go head to head, a lot of times they go, well, I disagree and I'm going to talk about something that is not even related, related. to that. Because that's my point. So yeah, no, and, mm. and I so I agree, Steve. I think bringing up the lyrics is super important for this track. I just you know wanted more musically, and I know you said you're leaving that at the door, and I get that, and I've had the same perspective on the other side. Yeah, because what music does here is mm. right, and so for me, it's like what do we do but sit here and talk about the things that are most important in sure. whatever album we're given? And so and so I will agree that I think that this song stands out on that alone, and it gives me more perspective on it now than I had before. But All I right. don't like. <laughs> one big part of this track and that is the fact that you get that really slow build that kind of works that gets completely and utterly done in an instant when the chorus steps in sure. and that was something that really bothered me Re- like like I specifically did not enjoy that moment on this track I specifically didn't like the O's, but I'm not crying about it <laughs> let's go to track 9 committee so here Okay, at this point, and I'm going to complain a little bit, which oh, okay. is not usually my pulpit, but, well, I guess we all do our fair share of complaining. But for this song specifically, we have the same structure and the same emotional kind of consistency that we've had on so many other tracks on the album. At this point, all I'm hearing is emotional white noise. And what I mean by that is I get the sense in this track that I'm supposed to be emotional about something. What that is... I couldn't even begin to tell you because it just feels vaguely emotional and bleh. And I and it's it's just it's getting frustrating at this point. I will refute that with one word: bass. No. Bass shows up. The bass shows yeah, up, and doesn't... I'm enjoying the bass. Like oh. that's my argument. So you're refuting you. me by entire... changing the subject. There we go. We're having a very political discussion right it's now. It's just you know I I want I want to get a sense of something from the music or from the lyrics, and I'm getting a vague sense. The vagaries aren't enough though. And yes, I agree that the bass is, is is more engaging here than it had been in a little while. But at this point, it's not enough. I like I want I want this to be about something. Like I miss the lyrics here. I can barely remember the music because it just feels so folded into a lot of what we gotten already. I remember the rhythm. It's etched in my memory. One and and three. That's well, the whole go. thing. It's the drums. That's their shtick. Um. Yeah. I. I. All right. This may be one. This may be unprecedented in terms of just the thick, heavy line dividing up our discussion between like lyrics and music. Because guess what? Once again, I. I. I think I have nice things to say about these lyrics. I. But this, the, the tone of the song, it's just, uh, it, it's not bland. It feels cookie cutter, the tone. Yeah. This song is more of like a lack of representation. I mean, all right, I'll, I'll be, I'll, I'll fine tune this. But uh, here, let, let, me, let me read a little as, as the rain picks up, as you might hear on air uh, in our rainy city of New York. Let it, let it enhance the mood of these lyrics. Sure. Don't believe that our minds have changed and our basic demands haven't stayed the same. We still have a debt that we need to repay to the suffragettes who've paved our way. I know you like to think the times have changed, but we're not represented in parliament or pay. Our voices are lost in a masquerade, and now we have to fight to have our say. But if you're never here, never here to say, well, a committee doesn't listen to an absent voice, nor do they sit and wait. 
There are a million reasons why we need to talk. We can organize and sympathize and gather our thoughts. Some alarms don't sound in 4-4 time. Some problems aren't within our peripheral lines. I would like to know if you're still there. And if so, can we talk about those plans that we had for tomorrow? Oh, oh, until we try, we won't know. But if you're never here, never here to say, well, a committee doesn't listen to an absent voice, nor do they sit and wait. See, the, these lyrics, I feel like, are very important. This is obviously very important lyrics. And what's being said, like, I want to hear this, and I want it to be heard. But I lose it. In, in this, the instrumentation just yeah. dulls my brain. Like, I'm getting, I get a strong impassioned sense of, yes, yes, when you read it. But, but I didn't get it listening <laughs> to the song, and that's a bummer. It really is. I feel like there could be more rah-rah behind this. Maybe not cheesily, but I feel like there could be more impact. That's why I'm trying to read it with that passion, because then when I read it, I see it. But I see it, I don't hear it. And that's right. a very, very weird... It's a very strange split, and like I said, I just don't think... We've had uh, a discussion on an album... Well, actually, we haven't had any lyrics on our near recent albums, but even back when, you know, we had lyrics almost on a week-to-week basis... Uh, You'd usually find a lot of that, yeah, well, the, the, the lyrics are supported when the instrumentation, you know, when it starts to get really, really uh, serious or really moody at that point, you can really feel the anger, you can feel the strife. But her, her angle, if this is at all intentional, seems to just be a kind of background, I guess what you said, an emotional whitewash to some extent to sort of be the pervading feeling behind all of this kind of social angst. And that's like punk, though. That I mean, she's, yeah. it, she's but but. Well, I don't have to like it if that's punk. I guess. That's well, no, true. no, no. That's that's the whole thing because it's not really normal punk. This album is not just punk. It's indie punk, and indie punk is definitely a more appropriate or maybe even pop punk or pop indie punk. I don't know. Put as well. I also together. don't want to say. I I don't want to like go so far as to say like that would have just completely fixed it had it been you know full blown punk. I don't because agree. remember not, then I wasn't going then there. I, I wasn't going are, there. Well, I didn't, I'm just let me just say like one crit- critique I've always had of punk has also been that it is kind of an emotional whitewash. In that case, you could at least prescribe a single emotion to it, and that would be anger, or feeling upset, feeling riled. Um, in this case, we just simply don't even have that. It feels numb. You know, yeah. But, think, but, but, yeah, but all of one is. thing is never good. Yeah. It's, it's almost as if punk went apathy in this album. Yeah. And... I'm okay with changing up the tone. Sure. And I'm 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 very okay with the content. I'm I'm I very much enjoy the lyrics here. And uh, even the presentation. I'd like the vocals 9 times out of 10 on this album, literally. <laughs> but it's a little bit odd that for trying to be rousing, it is so apathetic at the same time. This combination of the two without any distinguishing features in the music itself uh, prevents it from being impactful. Yeah. And as we go into the well, final she says, track... She actually says in that track, some alarms don't sound in 4-4 time. I would merely reply, then say it in 5-4 time. <laughs> but this lack of impact means the final track, no recording, just doesn't really have a finality so, to it. So yeah, track 10 for me, like it made me realize that I am struggling to find an arc in this album. Besides the alternating intro- in- inward-outward perspective, which also doesn't hold up, I, I just, like, these tracks could be in any order, and they would be no less or more impactful to me. Agree 100%. I am making a beeline for the lyrics, as Go I have it. done so recently. Do it. Is it normal to feel this tired at work, or wake up crying about the state of the world? On a good day, I'll learn something new, but mostly, I just crave the truth. 
I've been brushing up my conflict and facts, trying to understand how to react. Our government's as bad, they still lie to us all the time, perpetuating war and we don't care at all. Everything I read, I can't get out of my head. I think I'll bore myself to death, thinking I'm so out of my depth. I've been dishing out the same old complaints. The weather's shit and I'm always late. I might stay in on a rainy day. <laughs> it's raining. Um, but I try not to throw my life away. Wake in fear or wake in fright. I want to go to school, but the timing's not right. They say people my age are full of apathy, but me and my friends act productively. And she goes back to everything I read. I can't get out of my head. I think I'll bore myself to death thinking I'm so out of my depth. I really love that line, by the way. Yeah. Um, that's, that's, I think especially, like, in the whole kind of, like, oversaturated culture that we've, we've actually probably discussed several times on this podcast, um, it doesn't just concern, you know, art and everything. It also concerns politics. Like, you're just bombarded with opinions right and left. Like Matt said, the soundbite culture. But there's more, like, the soundbite culture, I know why it satiates people. And it's exactly that. Because it is easy. Yeah. It's easy to gain opinions and to, I guess, uh, you know, invoke your 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 act, your inner activist by simply hearing sound bites. And but but that's not thorough, and that probably means you're going to react in in somewhat brash ways. I believe her perspective, because this has, if there's one through line this album has had, it's maintained a diary entry from beginning to back. Her perspective is that she sometimes feels beaten down by it all. That to actually, you know, be as productive as possible to actually invoke change and do it by doing all your research and all that it's hard work it's hard work and this actually gets both my sympathy and my empathy actually, just, just not in the music <laughs> I'm sorry and that's the real shame of it because I see an arc here that I guess Matt doesn't really see and that is the idea of going from personal to more pervasive issues I mean it starts with just the one-on-one, -on -one, what you were taught in school and not being educated. Yeah, but isn't that thematic? Like, arc, I'm talking musically, it's interchangeable. Oh, musical arc. Yes. I, I thought no, no, we just well, disbanded no, 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 music no, 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 at this no, part. No, I believe, well, remember, we, we've had this discussion many times, and we, we use arc kind of interchangeably, sometimes yeah. to refer to the thematic arc as well of the, as the, uh, the, musical, the musical emotional flow. arc and all of that stuff. But, but no, I, I would still disagree that this... this has a uh, kind of an arc in the, the in the themes that themselves. I I enjoy them, and I think in each and every case they're they're always there. They're always consistent. No, they I can agree. still be shuffled. Yeah. I actually I think there's that's the through line front to back is that each and every song doesn't matter where you place them, but each and every song is kind of a different position, a different a different aspect of life with which she feels a little bit downtrodden, but all, but you know she's always arguing for action. It's just, I That's feel That's always you... the moral at the end of the day. But that yeah. was there in the beginning. Sure, but I feel like you lose that as we go through this whole album. We don't lose that. We lose the impact of, of that. Oh, yeah, good point. That's 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 more the issue that we've kind of been having since about a, a track six, seven, like, at its core. The music is just not... not, not she feels furthering me. a lot of these... Because like, the last three tracks are more about the the general discussion, the, the pan discussions and the pan information and the pan issues that are existing. And it there's nothing pan about the music itself to, to build that stuff up. If she feels beaten down by these things in society, I feel beaten down by her delivery of it musically. Like, I just... I don't feel an enjoyment or connection to it. You know, I, I, like Steve said before, in the final track, reading the lyrics, you feel empathetic and you feel affected by it. But I don't get that from the whole album. For sure, shit, not a lot of the last couple of tracks. And I think that's what really struggles to me in my wrap-up here. I think, look, 
Something like this I would have absolutely connected to in the 90s and 2000s. Steve is absolutely right. He hit the nail on the head in the beginning. However, now with my growth and understanding of music and the kind of music I listen to, I'm losing the content in the music. I feel like you know, this is a Steve position typically, but I get this has been the clearest version of what Steve has advocated for in a lot of music we've reviewed that I just don't see. I just want more emotion from the music to match the lyrics. You know, I absolutely am behind all of these lyrics. I think she's actually a really strong female voice, and that's super exciting. You know, the, there's there can never be enough of those activist voices that are especially coming from a very personal place where they're voicing their specific frustrations with the system and their place and their lot and I just don't feel it in the music and it makes the album feel kind of dull and boring by the end you know I love the middle part where we all got really engaged I think there's a lot there and that said this is also their first album first full-length album they've only been around for four years I think that the thing that makes me hopeful is that there is room for growth and change and they're young and so you know not that you can't be virtuosic when you're young but you know inexperience does affect music made and i think as they continue to play and she keeps writing from the heart as cheesy as that sounds i think there could be some kind of strong emotional impact for their future music i just feel like here it's absolutely lacking overall i feel more numb than anything else maybe that's intentional especially if you're feeling downtrodden and frustrated by everything around you conveying in a numb fashion doesn't seem bizarre to me but it ends up making the album feel very average and run-of-the-mill and it's a bummer because I really like her voice and I really love the content the the actual heart put into this record I'm just not getting enough anywhere else so for me this is a flat even three I think as first records go it's definitely not the worst thing I've ever heard I don't hate it by any stretch I'm just frustrated with it um, I'm having a very Steve day, I suppose. Um, They're not bad days to have. No. I have a lot of them. <laughs> yeah. I'm Steve. <laughs> I just think for me, this can't, this is just a three. It's perfectly average because I'm not, it's not being lifted beyond that based on the overall construction. Um, well, being consistent for uh, episode 197, we're all kind of trading roles here and there. And I've been, you know, playing devil's advocate even against myself. Even against Steve, uh, in in that I've been you know looking more at the lyrics and and finding finding something there. Um, it doesn't I like it's basically a near ditto to everything that Matt said. Literally, <laughs> I, I obviously yes, this is not the music is not going to cut it. I'll even I'll reference a, a, a MST3K models the hands of fate uh, joke. Yeah. Even though MST3K didn't actually say it, this is straight up from the film. It was the uh, the woman yes, the child no. Well, this is the, the lyrics yes, the music no. <laughs> This is just everything we've been saying, and it's it's getting it's getting said again. Um, I this should be a journal. This should be an essay for everything that she's saying right here. Because I don't read this message a lot, and that in itself is really that. I'm not saying it's like high poetry, and that's why I specifically say journal because I think you know well, there are actually a reason why we read journals of let's say you know thinkers throughout the centuries. We read the journals sometimes because they can often say more than perhaps their fictional works can because we're getting just 
their opinions. And they're sometimes very precise and very, you know, even if it's in, in plain speak, which most of, the, most of this is, sometimes she gets a little creative, she throws in some nice rhymes, throws in some nice alliteration, and that in itself kind of just rounds out, rounds it out a little bit. Um, but altogether, it is still very plain speech, but she packs a wallop in each and every case. And there's a lot of consistency between all of these themes, and yet... None, they're not like carbon copies of each other. They all show different sides um, of what she's mainly thinking about at one particular moment. I think it's wonderful. I just, yeah, music no. Just music no. And that, that, that is the perfect, I think, reasoning behind it, the exact rating that, that Matt gave, a three. I think the lyrics give you everything. And the music to me, not nothing. But as far as I'm concerned, given my current state and given some of the the music we've looked at recently, there's just, this is not going to advance anything. It is just, it is there as a backdrop. So we cancel each other out and we end up in the middle, or at least the middle as far as we're concerned, since I don't think we've ever have or probably ever will rate below a one. And that middle is the three. It's actually pretty decent as far as a debut album is concerned. She sold me on message. Now just support it with the other. I expected a lot of things from this album and... Only because of his genre, only because of what it was being presented as, and that uh, was I was expecting a, some thrashing. I was expecting some provocative and counterculture lyrical work, and I was expecting a lot of, you know, throwbacks. I got the throwbacks. I got a bit of the counterculture, but I didn't get the thrashing or the real heavy anger or angst or anything like that. That that punk was so it is it is a bit different than your mainstream punk but that was mostly located in the vocals like we keep saying that was mostly located really in in its presentation the music was all right it was no better no worse than the average at least for punk and for that i would say that it's kind of starting at a three for me but the lyrics do push it ahead and one thing I want to go back to again is the idea that they are the old school American writer in style. And it, it really does ring of that when you're going to like A.A. Uh, a. Milne and Winnie the Pooh and how matter of fact all the lessons were or Mark Twain and how matter of fact all the lessons were. I mean, it does capture that kind of a feel, which is something that is really lacking in a lot of punk. A lot of punk is just being louder than the guy next to you or being louder than the voices speaking against you. This is this is saying it in a little bit of a different way, and I appreciate that. It's something that I do enjoy, regardless of the content, just it is clever in, in a in a way that I haven't seen in a pretty long time. At least outside the realm of uh some of the more interesting hip hop uh settings. So for that, I'm gonna I'm definitely gonna raise it above your standard three and put it at a a 3.3. It's not a 3.5 because it really is lacking in the musical department to push it up there. But the I feel like the lyrics and the content itself and even the presentation and the apathy that's involved with it is curious in and of itself. So that, that definitely makes up for a lot of the, the lacking. 
I get where you're coming from, and I don't fault you. I think I just, it's not enough for me to do it. But I hear i hear that perspective. And I have to say, I hate to say this, but I'm probably going back to this album heavy. Because Why? it's one of those albums yeah, but, that I think I just keep listening to. But that's I not may, I may to. I may read these lyrics and actually cite them, you know, if I yeah. was ever in a conversation where I, I was actually dealing uh, with these problems with someone or someone who wouldn't open up for whatever reason. I'd, I'd, I'd refer to this as actually making some really great points. So I think if we haven't said it enough in this album review and our discussion of this band, we mentioned the word counterculture quite a bit. And the, you know, I think that's what we're going to kind of focus on. That That's rela- the relation of counterculture to music. Um, I'll defer to John, though, to give us an actual textbook definition. So we're all at the same starting point. A way of life and set of attitudes opposed to or at variance with the prevailing social norm. Hmm. Meaning being opposed morally or socially against what society deems as normal. normal. Being counter to culture. Yeah. yeah. It's I mean, a very okay. specific I guess we could have done without that. <laughs> well, no, it's a very specific idea for a very broad topic. I mean, it's not just, you know, being a hipster. A hipster wouldn't even really be considered counterculture now because of the way it's been adapted. That's an aesthetic choice. Yes. Counterculture is actually trying to design new morals, not just yeah. new ideas or laws, but new morals and beliefs mm-hmm. in a in whether it's a small or large society itself. Well, I think plenty of bands have have spoken through this lens. I mean, obviously today, uh, what we're reviewing today. It definitely does that, especially very specific points that Steve cited. I think it adds to the content of the album to make it more powerful. The funny thing is actually uh, this album, in many ways, she's sort of like a... This is a hipster comment. It sounds like kind of a meta counterculture in a way, only because it's not flat out just like opposing, saying it shouldn't be this way. In many ways, it's saying, well, this is what a lot of people would say. So let's try to work it out. Like it's kind right. of like not going that far, or rather, it addresses going so far only to retract and then build it up again. Right. It's a little more self-aware than I guess a traditional counterculture album, which makes it counter counterculture. I don't know. Well, no, but it's still within the same vein of what punk itself is. At least it's from its earliest inception. It was meant to rage against and express a very counterculture societal movement. Uh, specifically in Great Britain, where it really sprung up and became like what it is th- today, uh, it was it was like a sort of like their version of what we went through transitionally in the late '60s, early '70s with uh, classic rock, and how it did a lot to shift what we considered quote social norms. Yeah. But nowadays, for all of what music has done in the past to either speak on behalf of the counterculture or to help inspire said counterculture, do we really still have that? That's the question I want to propose here. Do we really still have a, quote, counterculture movement that that might birth music or vice versa? Well, here's a theory that I have, and I, I think it... We did discuss uh, the internet, and actually I discussed the internet just two weeks ago when I was talking about Yugen and how, like, niche genres are possible. Well, yeah. uh, so are niche opinions currently in, you know, internet culture because, well, the, it, it is, the, it is the, the tabula rasa for anyone to put their opinions on whatever they are. Um, so I, I believe that we are a little bit emboldened to say what we believe, perhaps more so than at any time in history. Um, that part is, is I think, 
true. That's just true by the nature of the technology involved. But even further than that, not only are we emboldened, but I think it is the norm now to oppose the norm. I, I, I believe that that may be the only reason why we could still call it counterculture, but I just think that the term becomes a little bit irrelevant after a while because that is, we have a culture of counterculture, and it has been that way probably ever since the 60s. I mean, you can, I guess, credit the, the people back then for, you know, overturning the norms, which in that case, you know, sometimes they were just artistic norms, artistic norms like, you know... Uh, well, you can even go back further, and the people who were doing atonal music were challenging the norms and up against people who were all about consonants. So it's happened several times, probably throughout the 20th century, and, and it's become exponential in happening more frequently year by year than in any other time in history, beginning with the 20th century and even earlier. But, uh, yeah, at some point it just becomes a little ridiculous because then there is not a norm anymore that people from sea to shining sea will actually subscribe to. Well, I feel like that there are, when you go to the social route, there are social norms that are considered social by, or the norm by the masses, whereas maybe not by those who want to uproot or change and make for change. And I think there's a lot more music now that's counterculture related that has to do more socially and politically than maybe musically, like as in stylistically, like you were saying. Well, although this is our topic and, and we're off the album here, there this album obviously spurred the topic, so let me just go back to a couple lines from the very first track here. There are so many of us and there's so few of them. We're all thinking the same thing, it's just a matter of when. That was from the very first track, Learn in School. And yeah, there's so many of us, there's so few. In other words, like the norm that I guess she is, you know, uh, holding up there. The norm would be the so few, wouldn't right. it? Which it, doesn't that make, isn't that intrinsically, it's kind of but false, maybe, right? But, but maybe it's not. Maybe it's just perspective, depending on where you land within the norm. Well, John said it earlier. Of course, that's why people continue to use the phrase the 99% because we all feel that, well, the, the norm, regardless that it may not be contingent on straight up statistics right. may be still enforced by a fewer number of people. Right. Because as long as it persists within a certain community that holds power, then that will rem remain the norm. Well, also, it's the idea that the, the, there's a percentage of money related to that that yeah. there's a smaller percentage of money for everybody else. And then she goes on to mention a lot more th that right. she talks about parliament. Yeah, so, yeah. you know, it's you could look view it... I think through a variety of lenses, and probably the same could still be said for art. Less, well, less so for art, I would, I would, want, I would say. Like, that's, I think that's the area in which I was straight up saying I, I believe counterculture is, is um, an oxymoron at this point. Yeah, I mean, I would probably agree. I think that mostly it gets muddied in the fact that because... You know, uh, the the old adage, opinions are like assholes, everybody has one. <laughs> the idea of the internet culture, the fact is now that everyone has a voice, anyone with an internet connection has a voice, which is way more common now than it was yeah. even five years ago. The idea of counterculture kind of getting muddied by just loud people who want to be heard, and that's a problem too, I think. I'm starting to support the comments are disabled uh, <laughs> trend. <laughs> yeah, sure. It's not even the loudest becoming the biggest nowadays mm -hmm. uh, because some of the loudest individuals you'll have on an opinion aren't necessarily the ones that the bulk of people uh, follow or agree with or anything sure. like that or impose their will it's more the one who is loud and intimidating sure is the one 
that is the most recognized because apathy seems to rule a lot of what's going on right now. Well, that's uh, so it's interesting. It's interesting you brought that up because that's actually where the whole movement or the concept behind the movement starts kind of consuming itself. Yeah. Yes. Because it is all it, if. If the problem is, you know, that the man has the power, and if the man came to power by, I guess, just having, you know, force of will or connections or, or money or whatever he needed, right, then then the that will be replaced by a new social norm that was probably achieved through the same means, you know, even if it's something as benign as, like, just being a really great lyricist yeah. um, and, you know, being able to kind of stick it to them in a really, in a way that sticks with, that resonates with all of us. Uh, then all of a sudden that will become the norm, and then it's like it's the cycle just perpetuate itself, and it will probably always vary uh, to whether we perceive that we've replaced it with something more beneficial than the previous. You know that is always going to be, I think, a bit of a, a, a ongoing debate. Yeah, I think the the cyclical nature of it is kind of natural, and I think that's where we get some of the best stuff. I think musically, I'm speaking now, you know, I mean, it can affect change in other places, but I don't want to get that hyper-specific. But musically, at least, I think a lot of interesting changes that we've talked about even over the last few weeks musically come from counterculture musical explorations based on merging or fusing or even off-kilter dodging certain genres or styles or uh, compositions, and I think mm. that we're still getting a sense of that, especially considering the kind of cycles we go through, even on the podcast with the albums we bring. And I think that very much exemplifies kind of what we're talking about here. But then I would say that we're running into the same exact situation musically as we are socially. There is the one percent of pop music sure. that exists and is well known, and everybody hears. And the ninety-nine percent, I mean. These are just off-the-cuff figures, only because of the social movement. But the 99% of everything else that is different, that is varied, that's the norm, because that's the 99%. There are way more unusual albums by standards than there are your standard pop album or standard rap album. There's way more music out there that is experimental. But I th- Just on my little taste that we get to experience but, here. But I think that's only by access, and that's... It also, the... the you have to talk about the actual um, sample size of who's consuming. And the sample size of who's consuming in general tends to still lean towards that 1%, I think, which is the difference. But consuming the 1% does not mean that the 99% is the counterculture. The the Arcas and the Yugens and the Bjorks and everything like that of our musical society that we have on not just this podcast, but on the interwebs, on the Spotify, in our album store, they are the masses. Why would them being... Just because they're less popular doesn't mean that they are the counterculture. Popularity contests aren't aren't the, the main focus of this. Just like the popularity contest in politics isn't isn't the be-all, end-all of what society is. If it was, certain places would be much, much more conservative and certain places would be much, much more liberal because the person in charge would lean more towards that or that. It's not just because of whoever is the loudest. Like I said, the 1%, the the Justin Biebers are not, you know, the be-all, end-all. They're not the representation of culture. 
No. So those that are different from them can't be inherent counterculture. I guess not, but they can't be inherently culture either. I think there's this kind of gray area. No, they are the culture. The culture Mm. of the internet is, at its bare minimum, a melting pot. Just through the pure variety of what is in existence. It can't be defined as any one side. Certain areas will lean towards being conservative. Certain areas will lean towards being colorful without any regards to politics in and of itself. Some of them will be dark and not very interesting places for the vast majority of people. And some of them are just so distilled down to the nice little one-liners and everything like that that everybody, even if they unintentionally get there, will eventually see it pop up on their newsfeed because of the way people pay for it. Well, that's 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 the culture. Variety. So how can you really have counterculture ideas nowadays? That's essentially what I argued. I didn't know you'd be on my side. Oh, yes, I am, actually. I mean, I guess, ultimately, <laughs> I would say that um, perspective is what's giving this, and there's a lot more access to see where other people are coming from. It's whether you actually see it or not. And that's where I actually will get, will, will definitely be in agreement in, in that perspective is a big issue in our culture because the way perspective uh the way things are presented can make them seem different than what they actually are one of my favorite things well no actually strike that reverse it one of my least favorite things is essentially how the news treats medicine and this is a really weird topic but every time something happens in the medical journals which may or may not be true and it usually isn't You'll see a tagline on MSNBC, Fox News, CNN, doesn't really matter. Now such and such cures cancer, when really, if you actually read or understood anything about medicine or anything like that, the only conclusion was that when they were testing for male pattern baldness, all of a sudden nobody got cancer with this one drug, so by happenstance, that must cure cancer. Somebody right watched there. John that's Oliver happened. in May. Yeah, yeah right. no, I no. Say. I like that. I did a lot of research into it afterwards. One could say one that that most, is the... the uh, it was one of the most interesting news things. Feed. Actually, he's one of my main news sources after the BBC. Well, I mean, yeah. I mean, I'm playing favorites <laughs> here. But yeah, I like John. I mean, he usually offers... He definitely has a thesis, but he, he tries to cover... You know, he tries to get down to the truth of it all, I yeah. suppose. Um, in a kind of no BS way. But... Like, it's the perception that makes counterculture seem like it is that, but it, it isn't actually counter to anything. It's just expression. That's that's what I would get to the root of it. It's, it's merely the problem of perception we're having these days because perception is something that, frankly, you can buy now. Expression and perception. Yeah. Expression and perception, yeah. yeah. It's, it's something you can afford to get, I oh. guess. And that's why the 1% seems to be in charge of the culture in a lot of ways. That's why those on the standardized radios and the top 10 hits of Billboard and everything like that seems to be in charge of music nowadays. Yeah, but then you just have to accept it. it's going to be different in 50 years. Yeah. And there's going to be new new movements at that point. Well, yeah. But at the same so, time, it the top 10 are always going to be in some ways the same because they represent the money makers and in turn the money makers create the top 10. The, the, the more and more we at least try to become aware with what's going on in the world and certainly as 
time advances, more and more information should be coming our way, the more difficult it will be for one man to understand the entire system. And that's exactly what I was going to say. Ultimately, I think what what's at the core of this is the fact that the more you learn, the more complicated it becomes. It doesn't necessarily make it, it definitely doesn't make it easier. It makes yeah. it harder and more difficult and muddied and, and complicated. If anything, what we're going to get is like the subdivision of genres. We're just going to get the subdivision of of culture itself. We're going to just get subculture movements that for once seem to have no bearing on religion, race, or location. It's just going to people be getting together on the internet and everything like that, agreeing with a topic. And it may be about medieval fantasy role-playing. It may be about politics. It may be about cheeses. Who knows? But these are just subculture rifts that are going to, for once, just be people who agree. Yeah, but if you're getting real... If you're going to want to get meta with it, I mean, this is the problem will be that, I mean, forget 50 years, it's already happening and it will happen more, is that because it's so difficult to understand, I think, the system, what will happen is that as time goes on, we will want to do our best. You know, the old thing, well, one person can make a difference, right? And in trying to do our best, that will be the moral that's dry, that drives our every move. And yet at the same time, that's probably where mistakes will happen. Because in trying to make a difference and even do the small thing by not understanding the whole thing, you may be undermining yourself. Yeah. I, mean, I think that is probably the height of the despair involved here. And the despair which probably drives uh, people to feel a lot like um, our, our, album list, today, our album today. Yeah. No, yeah, I think I, I agree completely. Well, anyway, that was, thank, um, you. thank you for listening to the Crash Court that was political depressing. discussion. Right. Now to our regularly scheduled program. Steve... <laughs> Our regularly scheduled program is the spam. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's not. But we don't have. Well, spam. We Luckily, deep. we don't have spam today. We got deep in what? 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 I was going to talk about philosophy, but if we're not doing spam, you're just screwing up the entire thing. That's right. Because spam is our most philosophical. It's the most philosophical component of our of our website. I think, Obviously. Really. But I can't Obviously. gaze off into the corner if this is a real person. Ah. <sighs> Hey there! Long time no right. I've been listening to a good handful of episodes and been meaning to comment on them, but the time is so hard to find sometimes. Eventually, I'm sure I'll get around to it and just leave so many comments all at once. Anyway, I'm here to make an album request. You guys were already awesome enough to do an episode of my request of Jeff Rosenstock's We Cool. And while I don't want to pester you, I feel like perhaps waiting over a year for another request may be long enough. If so, I have a pitch for you. I've thought long and hard about albums that have come out recently and what to suggest. And ultimately, I think it absolutely has to be The Impossible Kid by Aesop Rock. Uh, currently my favorite hip-hop album of the year and truly gunning to be my overall number one as well. Keep being red, and of course that is from the lovely Alex Star F. Alverson, who did indeed bring us Jeff Rosenstock's We Cool back in episode 148, and was most happy that we did Blurry Face back in episode 168. Yeah. Well, thank you, Star F, for writing in again. Um, we are going to take that on next week, um, and we appreciate you reaching out. Um, there is no statute of limitations on when you can request yeah so request but we, we but just might you, you, you can request them whenever you want we may like just delay for the sake of like guests and just trying to be kind of like even with it all evenly up spaced to, up to a year we we have we well, right for well, a year a yeah. year really a year, yeah, yeah I, I would say just a couple months but please keep sending your uh, listener requests our way we appreciate it um I am a fan of Star F's work as well. He does hip hop himself, and he's part of a group as well as has done some solo stuff. And uh, I'm re I really enjoying the work he's doing. Um, but um, it's great that 
that you connect with what we do and thank you for recommending this I, it's actually an album I was intrigued and possibly thinking about bringing on on my own yeah you so, almost, you almost so did I that. almost did so I'm glad I didn't because now you got to request what you wanted to and we can do it that's kind of selfish a little I think, bit I, I don't think you're allowed to listen to the album for next week no, that would you know, make things diff- difficult you know what is most selfish about this is that in, in, in writing this he swallowed up our next segment which would be where we say the album we're doing next week right but now it's already here I already said it you did already say it <laughs> please so. reiterate it uh, we're doing <laughs> The Impossible Kid by A$AP Rock. So, Courtesy uh, of Star F. Star F. Alverson. Um, so tune in for that next week. Uh, whether you're Star F or anybody else, please do. And also, don't forget, music is life. And, and life, life is, is good. If you enjoyed this and other album analyses, topics, and guests, please subscribe to the Crash Chords Podcast on iTunes, where you can also rate us and review us. For more media, also subscribe to Matt's one-on-one interview series, Crash Chords Autographs. To receive emails on all new content, subscribe at the top of our homepage. Also receive updates by liking us on Facebook, following us on Twitter at Crash Chords Web, our Tumblr, and our YouTube channel. And remember, keep the discussion going, because music is life, and life is good. If you have any questions or comments, feel free to share them in the comment board below each post. Otherwise, email us directly at admin at crashchords.com.